Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. See, what had happened was, initially, I wasn't even going to read this book. Initially, I was going to read a book called Candy Cane Addiction. A-D-D-I-C-K-T. Oh, no, I'm sorry. A-D-D-I-C-K-I-O-N. Stuff like that just draws me in. You know, it, it, you read a book by the cover all the time. And I was more than prepared to just delve into this book. That That's a romance book term, delve. I was more than happy to delve into this book and just love every moment of it. But then... As I thought about the word addiction, I thought about the queen. Yeah, the queen of urban fiction, the one who set it all off, the one who had uh, women running to the bathroom at their jobs, the one who had women reading and giggling at their desks every single day. Yeah, I'm talking about Zane. And so I just couldn't shake it. You know, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I haven't read a Zane book since I was like, maybe, maybe 22. I don't know. It was a while back. All I know is that I read one of her books and I was just like, damn, this is spicy. And this comes from somebody who read all of his mom's romance novels because they were on the shelf. So uh, I knew about the engorged phalluses and all that kind of stuff. But the stuff Zang was bringing out. Nah. Nah. So um, I say all that to say this. Keep your kids the fuck away from these episodes because we about to go on in. Addicted. By Zang. Prologue. Droplets of rain cascaded down the window panes, and the sun was merely a figment of the imagination. The dark gray clouds held it prisoner behind their foggy mist, and the day was cold and dreary at best. Several times I wanted to dash out of the office, mumble a fabricated excuse for leaving to the secretary as I made my way through the waiting room, seeking sanctuary in the hallway. As much as I wanted to forget about the whole therapy session, the alternative was not acceptable. I desperately needed help. And it was time for me to face my fears. When I was a little girl, 
My mother always told me that courage is simply fear that has said its prayers. Over the years, I tried to live by those words, and I managed to do so until this day. My mind began to wander as I stood by the window, looking out at the cars splashing up rainwater with their tires, their windshield wipers going back and forth like pendulums. It was early evening, not quite dusk, and the Friday work traffic was beginning to taper off in downtown Atlanta. Most people were already sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the interstate, ordering a round of drinks with co-workers at happy hour, or settling down the safety of their own homes to catch the evening news on television. Do y'all get drinks with your co-workers? Like, y'all are friends like that? I don't know. I, I try and keep everything separate. So maybe that was an old school thing, but nah, I'm I'm in and out like the burger. So... Okay. I had been lucky to get an appointment at all, since it was my first time there and I had just called pleading to see the doctor that morning. A friend of mine once mentioned Dr. Spencer in passing while I was at the salon getting my hair done. She was an avid fan of the doctors, having used her services to get over the agony of being betrayed by her ex-husband and, ultimately, a stressful divorce. Never would I have conceived seeking her advice myself. Yet, there I was. Dr. Spencer's office looked about how I have visualized it. Dim lighting, expensive leather furniture, including the infamous Shays Lounge where troubled souls revealed their deep, dark secrets, and a big cherry wood desk with a banker's lamp in the center. Bookshelves lined the walls, and a smorgasbord of degrees, certificates, and plaques adorned the wall between the two floor-to-ceiling windows behind the desk. I noticed that my hands were trembling even though the office was warm and toasty, a complete contrast to the cold October weather outside. She was taking too long, and my nerves were shot. I craved for just one puff of nicotine, but had no cigarettes, since I had kicked the habit several years before during my first pregnancy. Just as I was about to take the cowardly way out, walking over to the chaise and beginning to put on my black leather gloves, Dr. Spencer entered the office, making apologies for keeping me waiting. At first, I was speechless, and the words forming in my mind could not make their way to my lips. Miss Raynard, she said, more of a statement than a question, as she reached out a finely manicured hand to greet me. Hearing my name broke the self-induced trance. Dr. Spencer, it's very nice to meet you. I gratefully took her hand and shook it. Just the warmth of her touch somehow comforted me. Thank you for seeing me on such short notice. She was making her way over to her comfortable leather desk chair as she spoke. It's no problem, really. My secretary seemed to think your situation was quite urgent, and I'm always glad to do whatever I can. I managed a slight smile as she continued. Please, have a seat and make yourself at home. She motioned towards one of the two leather winged chairs facing the desk opposite her own. Once she sat down at her desk, I was able to get a better look at her. Dr. Marcella Spencer was a strikingly beautiful and classy woman. The thin lines on her face betrayed her age of about 40, yet she exuded the glow of a woman 20 years younger. Her deep chocolate, satiny skin reminded me of the fudge brownies my mother would prepare for the school bake sales to benefit the PTA, and her eyes looked like black pearls. They were hypnotic. She wore an olive green business suit accentuated by a sexy split up the back of the elongated skirt. The suit was even more alluring due to a cloister of overlaying matching buttons, 
A silk floral scarf worn around her neck added an air of class, and gold earrings gave the outfit a polished look. Well, Miss Raynard, she started searching through her center desk drawer for something, finally retrieving a gold-plated cigarette case and matching lighter. Shall we begin? Dr. Spencer, I have a request. What's that? She noticed the way my eyes were diverted to the cigarettes. She snapped open the case and pulled one of the long, slender brown cancer bandits out. Would you like a cigarette? No, thank you. Thank goodness, that's one addiction I no longer have to battle. I was trying my best to seem relaxed, but it wasn't working very well. Then what can I do for you, Miss Raynard? If I'm going to be revealing all my hopes and dreams, my fears and nightmares, all the dragons I'm battling, it will make me much more comfortable if you would call me Zoe. Oh, that's no problem, Zoe. A slight giggle escaped from her mocha-painted lips. The majority of my patients prefer to keep our sessions on a first-name basis. Please call me Marcella. Thanks, Marcella. Our eyes met. I'll do just that. She started reaching around the drawer again the right-hand top drawer instead of the center one. When she placed a pad, pen, and micro-cassette recorder on her desk pad, I almost catapulted out of my seat. The reality of being in a head doctor's office hit me, and I began to quiver all over again. She obviously sensed my discomfiture. Zoe, I'm sorry if the tape recorder makes you feel uncomfortable, but I need to tape the session so I can go over them later for my notes. You understand? The way she was talking to me reminded me of my second grade teacher, Miss Zachary, the old battle axe. It made me laugh. Sure, I understand. It, it's not like I'm considering becoming a movie star or anything like that, so blackmail's out of the question. I started pulling out a loose string on the leg of my black pantsuit. Besides, don't you doctors have to take some sort of oath or something? Yes, we most definitely do, and anything you tell me is strictly between you and I. It will never leave this room unless you request me to talk to someone. Your husband, for example, on your behalf. She pressed the record button. My husband? I uncrossed my legs, got up from the chair, and started pacing the heavily carpeted floor of her office. Oh, God, what have I done? Zoe, would you like to lay down on the chaise? You don't have to. Only if it makes you comfortable. She never lost her cool. I guess she was used to nervous people. No, thanks. I sat back down in the chair. I'm ready to begin. I know time is of the essence. Well, not exactly. You're my last client of the day, so we could talk as long as you like. You seem to be very distraught, and I would like to help you if I can. A kindness in her eyes halfway made me believe she was my best friend. I blurted it out. My husband Jason and I are having marital problems. My eyes dropped down to the floor. It was humiliating to even speak the words. I see. Zoe, have you and Jason sought any form of counseling for your problems? I began to laugh out loud then, but it was a laugh of dismay. <laughs> no. Hell no. Jason doesn't even know we have any marital problems. I couldn't even manage to look at her. I felt like a child awaiting punishment by my priest for committing a mortal sin. A sacrilege against the church. Zoe, I don't understand you. Jason doesn't know about any of the things I do. He hasn't a clue, and if he ever found out, I would die. A single tear fell and began to creep down my left cheek. I could never imagine living in a world without him. That's how much I love him. 
but you don't feel you can talk to him about your problem. She leaned forward, placed her cigarette in the ashtray, positioned her elbows on the desk, and intertwined her fingers. Not this problem. Not now, not ever. I zeroed in on a tiny lint ball on the carpet. It appeared to be slightly moving every time I blinked my eyes. Relax, Zoe. Let's try this a different way. She took another puff of her cigarette and then picked up the pen, preparing to take notes. When you mentioned earlier that nicotine was one addiction you no longer had to battle, it gave me the impression you're addicted to something else. Are you? The tears started flowing. It took every ounce of self-control like a mustard not to start wailing like a banshee. Yes, I am addicted. Drugs? I shook my head. Alcohol? No, nothing like that. Then what are you addicted to, Zoe? I looked at her finally through tear-drenched eyes and vocalized the words before my guilt forced me to suppress it. Sex. The look of astonishment on her face revealed her surprise. She was probably used to dealing with people addicted to cocaine, amphetamines, booze, food, but I got the distinct impression sexual addiction was a whole new ballpark for her. Marcella, I don't know where to begin. I have plenty of excuses for this, but no real reasons. I'm so scared my addiction to sex will destroy everything I have. My marriage, my relationship with my children, everything. I darted my eyes away from hers and concentrated on the smoke rising from the cigarette. Now burned almost down to the filter. She pulled a tissue out of the quilted dispenser on her desk and reached across the desk, handing it to me. I gladly took it and dabbed my gradually swelling eyes with it. Well, Zoe, the best place to start is always at the beginning. So why don't we commence there and work our way to the present? I retreated into the bulky chair wing, letting my shoulders sink deep into the cushions and crumpled the damp tissue in my hand. The Beginning Chapter 1 The first time I ever laid eyes on Jason, I thought he was a junior Mac Daddy wannabe that probably sat around on a Commodore 64 computer drinking great Kool-Aid out of a peanut butter jar while watching Good Times. I couldn't stand his ass. The feeling was mutual, though, because our first physical interaction was when he gave me the finger and then spit on my saddle shoes. We were in the fifth grade, and from the day my parents and I drove up in our station wagon, I knew he was trouble. The movers got there about an hour after we did. I was sitting on the curb playing jacks when the big truck came flying around the corner, practically tilted on one side. I thought the driver was going to lose control of the truck for sure, and every valuable possession we own will end up strewn all over the street. Being the wonderful and unselfish little girl I was, my main concern was that my black Barbie didn't lose a limb or anything in the process. Table lamps, my father's 8-track tape player, and my mother's dishes were all replaceable. But the hell if I was going to be able to replace my Barbie. She was my pride and joy. I had even painted her fingernails with glitter polish and made a sexy dress out of the red bandanas my mother made me wear to bed so my pressed hair wouldn't frizz up. Other than that, I was worried about my Snoopy snow cone machine. And that was about it. Jason and his parents lived directly across the street. He was outside that day, trying to get some mail-order rocket to soar into the heavens. What a ripoff. The whole time I was watching them, the stupid thing never made it a yard off the ground. It was after about the hundredth try, when the movers had half the truck unloaded, that I noticed his ass rolling his beady eyes at me. I was using a piece of pink chalk to draw a makeshift hopscotch diagram on the street in front of my house when he approached me. 
His Kango hat and leather bomber jacket made him look like a pint-sized pimp. All he needed was a couple of gold teeth. Girl, you better quit. I'm going to tell my mama on you. I glared at him, smacking on a water bubble-ish like a cow. Little man, you better go play with your cheap broken rocket and leave me the heck alone. He got all the way up in my face then. Girl, don't you be ordering me around. I'll stomp your skinny behind into the concrete. Ooh, I'm so scared. I rolled my eyes, chastising him. Then, the miniature version of Shaft flicked me the finger, made a disgusting noise while he gathered saliva in his mouth, and then spit on my brand new black and white saddle shoes. I beat his little ass, too. We were the same age, but I had him by a good three inches in height. Milk wasn't due to start doing his body good for a couple more years. Two of the moving men broke the fight up. Accidentally scratched one of the men on the nose because I was not about to stop fighting until the fat lady sang. That's when both our mothers came dashing out of our respective houses yelling, Oh, my poor baby! and things like that. It was mad funny. They took over, throwing our heads into their heavy breasts and filling us all over to make sure there was no permanent damage. Jason and I just glared at each other like two sumo wrestlers ready for round two. My mother helped me inside like I was disabled. In actuality, I had never felt better in my life. I was the victorious one. Jason retreated to his house as well, and that was the end of it. My parents and I did just enough unpacking that night to get by, threw some sleeping bags on the living room floor, and munched down on some KFC. My dad hooked up his 8-track, and I fell asleep listening to the harmonized singing of Earth, Wind, and Fire. It was a Saturday. I started school the following Monday and was anxious to get there to meet all the new kids. I rushed through a bowl of cornflakes and caught about 10 minutes of the Flintstones before grabbing my tin lunch pail and running out the door to get to the bus stop on time. The bus was about to pull off, and I was panting by the time I caught up to it in time to bang on the door, signaling the driver to stop. After I got on the bus, he asked me who I was. I explained I was a new student who had just moved. He snarled at me, his all-natural breath almost knocking me backwards down off the steps and back off the bus. Well, you make sure your teacher gets your name put on my roster ASAP because I'm not supposed to be picking up no knuckleheads I don't know. Now find a seat, sit down, and shut up. I searched for an empty seat but couldn't find one in the front of the bus, so I started walking towards the back. All of the kids were checking me out, and some were even snickering. I noticed most of the seats were occupied, either by two girls or two boys, with the exception of the one in the far rear. A boy and a girl, obviously suffering from a severe case of puppy love, were seated there. He had his arm around her shoulder, and she was blushing from ear to ear. I was ready to ask the driver if I could sit on the steps when I realized the only available seat was next to the horror film creature himself, Jason. He stopped playing with his G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip just long enough to smirk at me. I turned around and headed towards the front to beg the driver to ask someone to trade places with me, but he yelled at me again, You take it too long! School starts in 15 minutes. Now sit your behind in the seat and shut up. I scurried my ass back to the seat and noticed Jason had placed his knapsack on the vinyl seat beside him. Could you move that, please? He didn't respond, nor did he look at me. So I took the bag, threw it on his lap, and sat down. He was about to be a smart aleck, but I stopped him dead in his tracks. I rolled my eyes and gave him a head from side to side with a finger snap combination. Don't say nothing to me, or I'll give you an even bigger beatdown than I did on Saturday. A couple of the kids heard me and started giggling and taunting him. He just grabbed his knapsack, held it tight, and didn't look at me the rest of the way to school. 
As if things weren't going bad enough, I get my class assignment from the principal's office, go to my homeroom, and his trick ass is the first face I see. Our homeroom teacher was Miss Williams, and she was displeased to have a student transfer into her class in the middle of the fall term. She snarled at me too. Maybe it was my cherry-flavored lip gloss that was making everybody demonic towards me. Little Miss Zoe, she started in on me as she looked over my school records. Have a seat over there by the window and pay attention. You have a lot of making up to do in order to catch up to the rest of the class. There was one glimmer of sunshine in my day. I didn't have to sit near Jason in homeroom. He was clear across the class, and that suited me just fine. He must have been a smartass with everybody because Miss Williams had his desk pushed up right against hers, several feet away from the rest of the class. Teachers always made the troublemakers sit up in their faces, and I remember thinking to myself, goody. My first day at Benjamin Franklin Elementary was pretty uneventful. I made a couple of new friends, got to jump rope at recess, made a deformed clay vase in art class, and learned how to count to ten in Spanish. At lunch, I sat with this little girl named Brina who thought she was the next Diana Ross. I started to school her ass and tell her she couldn't be the next Diana Ross because I was. She would fling her hair back after everybody her Twinkie and took special care of making sure she didn't end up with a milk mustache when she rinsed it down. She spent the entire lunch period bragging about everything from her collection of ribbons for her hair to the straight A she made on her last report card. Jason did decide to get bold for a minute and started spitting half-frozen peas across the room at the back of my neck through a straw. He made the mistake of hitting the P.E. teacher, Mr. Lewis, in the cheek with one and was immediately dragged by the ear to the office. When I got on the bus that afternoon, I was lucky enough to find a seat up front. I made sure I was one of the first ones on the bus, pushing a couple of wimpy boys out of my way so I wouldn't have to sit next to Cousin It. Jason got on the bus about ten kids after I did. I stuck my tongue out at him and flipped him the bird. He tried to tell the bus driver on me, but all he got was an attitude. Sit your behind down, little man, and shut up! I was playing hopscotch about an hour later when he came out of his house, stood on the curb on his side of the street, and started talking trash. You know what? I hate you, and I hope all your hair fall out and you get red pimples all over your face. I stopped hopping on number six with my right foot up in the air, gave him an icy cold look, and decided to pay his ass back for the comment. Oh yeah? Well, I hate you too, and I hope the next time you shoot that cheap rocket of yours, they get stuck up your behind. As an afterthought, I added, I hope your itsy bitsy dangling fall off too. I held up my pinky finger to emphasize the point, and he left the curb on his way over to my side of the street to finish off the fist fight we had started on the Saturday before. I was about to meet him in the middle when my mother opened up the front door. Zoe, get in here and get washed up for dinner now. Walking away, I placed my hands on my hips and strutted like Greta Garbo. I turned around and addressed him with my best voice imitation. Next time, big boy. I left his cross between Chewbacca from Star Wars and Scooby-Doo ass standing right there on the street with his hands balled in the fist and a look of hatred on his pathetic face. I tried to keep my distance from Jason, other than in school, but my daddy wasn't making it easy for me. For some odd reason, the two of them bonded. Maybe it was because Jason's daddy was always working, or maybe it was because my daddy was good with his hands and Jason admired the way he fixed things around the house and made furniture out of wood as a hobby. Whatever it was, I didn't like or appreciate them being buddy-buddy at all. I was up in my bedroom one Saturday morning, sorting out my record collection and singing my ass off, when my mother yelled for me to come down. 
I had just taken the best of my love by the emotions off the turntable. I was about to pull my shades down and throw on flashlight by Parliament Funkadelic and dance around my room, making circles on the wall and ceilings with the mag light my daddy gave me when my mother interrupted my flow. Zoe, can you come down here for a second? Her voice carried well up the stairwell, and I knew she deliberately waited for a break in the music to call me. It was a regular routine. Okay, Mama, I'll be right down. I muttered under my breath while I gathered the dirty clothes out of my wicker hamper and tossed them into a laundry basket. It was laundry day, and I hadn't done a thing, so I lugged my clothes downstairs with me in order to save myself a return trip. As soon as I turned the corner into the kitchen, my eyes lit up as I spotted the ice-cold pitcher of freshly squeezed lemonade and the cookie sheet of chocolate chip cookies with Hershey Kisses hidden inside cooling on the stove. Mama, you made my favorite cookies. I let the laundry basket drop on the floor and gave my mother a huge, elephantine hug. You're the most spectacular, bomb, diggity, coolest mother in the whole wide world. She let out a slight giggle and then gently pushed my hands away. Zoe quit before you made me spill the lemonade. Sorry, Mama. I licked my lips, dreaming about how delectable the cookies were going to taste hitting my throat and decided to earn some brownie points so I could sneak a couple before dinner was ready. I retrieved my laundry basket and headed towards the basement steps. I'm going to go ahead and put my clothes on, and then maybe I can help you with the other cleaning, like vacuuming or polishing the furniture. My mother walked over to me, wiping her hand on the bib of her apron, and placed her right palm over my forehead, checking for a fever. Is this my child? She said sarcastically. I grimaced. Yeah, Mama. I'm just trying to do my share around here. She gleamed at me. Good. Do me a favor before you go downstairs. She took two glasses out of the cabinet and poured some lemonade in them. Then she put four cookies on a saucer and placed everything on a wooden tray. Take this lemonade and cookies out to the garage for your daddy and Jason. Jason? What the hell, I mean, heck, is he doing over here? I felt a sudden tension in the back of my neck, hotter under the collar than the pot of white potatoes my mother had simmering on the stove for dinner. Why does he have to come over here all the time? First of all, Miss Thing, my mother scolded me, Jason isn't over here all the time. Your daddy's helping him build a go-kart. A go-kart? That did it. I asked daddy to help me build a treehouse like 50 million times, and he hasn't done it yet. You asked your daddy once, and he fully intends to do it, but the oak in the backyard needs more branch trimmed off first before he can. The men are coming next weekend to trim them down, and, and then... My mother glared at me probably wondering why she was even bothering to try and explain. Never mind all that. Just take this tray out there and then you can come in and do your laundry and vacuum. What about some lemonade and cookies for me? My bottom lip was poked out more than a set of 44 triple D breasts. After you finish your chores, you can have some. I smacked my lips, reluctantly took the tray and headed towards a small alcove off the kitchen heading to the garage. Why did I have to do chores while Jason got special treatment like he was Shaka Zulu or some damn body? Because you asked for him. <laughs> as soon as I entered the garage, I was immediately jealous. Also, Jason ain't going to be doing chores in your house. You know what, though? My mom and dad really did make my friends do chores in our house. Like, if they had the unfortunate luck to walk in while we were cleaning the house... They got put to work as well, cleaning the windows, baseboards, whatever it may be. They did it too. Of course, it made everything go faster, and we didn't really think about it back then like that. 
because I didn't have to do nothing at my white friends' houses. And at my black friends' houses, yeah, I, I had to clean over there, too. It was a whole thing. That was my daddy shooting the breeze with Jason and going over the diagrams for building the go-kart they had halfway put together on the workbench attached to the back wall. They were so busy bonding, they didn't even notice me come in at first. Mr. Wallace, I really appreciate you helping me out like this. My daddy's always working, and I never thought I'd have it done in time for the Cub Scout Derby next week. What an ass kisser. My daddy patted Jason on the head like he was a Doberman pincher, which he kind of resembled, I might add. Not a problem, Jason. I love working with my hands. In fact, within the next couple weeks, I'm going to start on Zoe's treehouse. Maybe you could come help me out, and when it's done, you can hang out in there with Zoe sometimes. That sounds great. I can see Jason's profile, and from the side, he looked completely toothless, since he had four teeth coming in at the same time. Not hardly, I interjected, letting my presence be known. Once my treehouse is done, it's for me and my friends. You're not even my friend. Zoe, what you got there? My daddy attempted to change the subject before I had to beat Jason's little ass again. Some lemonade and cookies, daddy? I walked over and sat the tray on the hood of my daddy's silver Buick Sentry. Mama told me to bring him out for you and Alf. Alf? I gotcha, Alf, girl. So this is the 80s, like late 80s? Because Alf came out in 88, right? Yeah, Alf came out in 86. So anywhere between 86 and 88, I would say, maybe 90, somewhere in that realm. I don't know. I shouldn't really be thinking like this. Jason really wanted me to open another can of whoop-ass. Yes, Alf, as in orange alien. I looked him right in his beady eyes. Dang, boy, you look messed up with all those missing teeth. He smirked at me and rolled his eyes, so I added, What's that on your face? A pimple or a golf ball? Before Jason could make a comeback effort, my daddy jumped all up in the mix, trying to protect the mongoose. That's enough, Zoe. Don't be disrespectful to company. Company? Daddy, that nigga's always over here. Why you have to take his side every time? My daddy laughed. I failed to see anything humorous. You know, the way you two go at it reminds me of your mother and I when we were younger. I analyzed the statement, recalling the story of how my parents met when they were children, grew up together, and eventually married. Ew, that's sick, Daddy. Jason and I are nothing like you and Mama. I can't stand his ass, I, I mean behind. My daddy curled his mouth up at my slip of the tongue. Yeah, I know you meant behind. Jason grinned at me, glad to see me being chastised. What you looking at, fool? He glanced from my head to my feet and back up. Nothing much, that's for sure. My daddy laughed all over again. Mm-hmm, I can see it now. The two of you will probably end up married, just like your mama and I, with two or three kids in a house similar to this one. Daddy, I don't mean you no harm. I just had to correct him because he was obviously hallucinating. But before I marry that cross between a gorilla and a skunk, I'll run away and become a nun. Ha 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 Jason chuckled like I had just said something hilarious, but I was dead serious. Girl, you know you ain't gonna join no convention. Convention? I pointed my finger at him. You're so stupid as convent, dummy. With that, I turned around and ran into my house to inform my mother about Jason's stupidity quotient. Mama, guess what that stupid nooker just said? That's how I first met Jason Raynard. That's how I first met my husband.
Chapter 2, three years later, 8th grade. By the time our 8th grade year came rolling around, Milk was definitely doing a body good. Jason's body, that is. In the three years since our first meeting, or confrontation, whichever you prefer to call it, the hostility between us had continued. The only differences were physical developments. I had changed drastically from the tall, lanky, skinny girl who moved there and now had boobs and an onion ass. You know, the kind of ass supposedly makes men cry when they see it. I may have grown another four or five inches in height, but leveled off at five foot four. Jason, on the other hand, shot up like a tree. He was already six foot even and still growing. We were both 13, and puberty was barreling in on us like a ton of bricks. I had a crush on this boy Muhammad, a Muslim. I used to be so mesmerized when he would recite Islamic principles to me. In my eyes, he was a real man who respected his women, even when they were only 13. He was older than I was, 16, and had a car. I just knew I was the bomb, and all my girlfriends were envious. My parents hated him, though. They dreaded the thought of a boy taking advantage of a little baby girl. Little did my parents or friends know it was nothing like that. In fact, Muhammad respected me too much. The few times I tried to French kiss him, he gave me a peck on my lips and sent me on my way. Jason had himself a little hoochie mama. I'll never forget the anorexic beanpole bitch. Her name was Chandler, and she came from an upper-class family. Just because she wore the finest clothes and got her hair done every week at the beauty parlor, she thought she was an end-all and be-all. When I used to talk trash about her to Brina, who was my best friend by then, she would say, Oh, girl, you're just jealous. You want Jason for yourself. Just admit it, walk across the street and get that boy because you're getting on my last nerve. My response is always the same. Heck no. It was a Friday afternoon in October when I finally realized Brina had missed her calling of the child psychic. It was a beautiful day for that time of year. I was out in front of my house jumping rope with Brina, who caught the bus home with me to spend the night, and some of the other girls from the neighborhood. I had just jumped in between the ropes, doing the double dutch, when I tripped and fell on my knees. It wasn't lack of jump roping skills that made me tumble. It was Jason's fine-ass mowing the lawn. He was maneuvering his daddy's brand spanking new ride-on mower, and his shirt was off. I noticed he was growing a goatee. His black, wavy hair, along with his hazel eyes, were sparkling in the sunlight. As I got up from the ground and wiped the dirt off my knees, I couldn't take my eyes off him. All the girls noticed and started chanting, Zoe and Jason sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Zoe with the baby carriage. Thank goodness he couldn't hear them over the engine of the lawnmower. I simply would have died. The strangest thing happened at that very moment, and I know this is going to be hard to believe. Looking at Jason and his muscles and his face and his everything made my panties wet. When I went inside, half scared because nothing like that had ever happened before, I went into the bathroom and discovered I was bleeding. Somehow, my newly discovered puppy love for Jason brought about my first menstrual cycle. Ain't that a bitch? Later that evening, Brina and I went to a birthday party at our friend Eugene's house. Brina was spending the night with me so my mother could drop us both off and pick us up. Her mother was a single parent and had to work late that night. The party was cool. However, I was depressed because Muhammad couldn't make it, and Jason was there with his thing. We didn't dance much because Eugene's parents were kind of old-fashioned and didn't want a whole lot of touchy-feely going on. They made one vital mistake, though. 
They bought Eugene the game Twister for his big day. Someone spiked the punch with grain alcohol and set the party off. I don't quite remember how it happened because I was toe up, but sometime between watching Beach Blanket Bingo on TV and playing charades, Jason and I ended up on the Twister mat together. Boy, was Chandler upset. I think she was a bit psychic as well, aware of something I wasn't. She knew Jason liked me just as much as I liked him. I did figure it out during the game, though. Jason had to put a hand on red, and I had to put a foot on blue, and his pelvic area ended up pressed against my behind. Before the hand on the spinner landed on the next color, his dick was hard, and the gigantic elephantine sanitary napkin my mother made me wear was twice as soaked as before the game. It wasn't soaked with blood, however, but with my pussy juice. Too young. I mean, I'm sure it happened, puberty and all that kind of stuff, but still, just reading it is just like, ugh. I jumped up off the mat in the middle of the game. Not because I didn't enjoy the way his hard dick was feeling, but for fear he would somehow catch wind of the sanitary napkin. The damn thing was so big, I thought for sure he would discover it, and I was so embarrassed. My mother couldn't get there fast enough to pick us up, and when she finally did, I flew out of the house like a bat out of hell, wanting to put the whole episode behind me. We went back to my house, and Brina was brushing my long, light brown hair to reach my bra strap. Zoe, what's the matter with you? What makes you think there's anything wrong with me? I snapped at her and immediately regretted my tone. Even though Brina was my best friend in the whole world, I was ashamed to tell her what had happened. You've been acting weird is all. She pinned my hair with a giant hair clip. Is it because you started your period? Don't sweat that. I've been having it for almost two years now, and they're, they're not so bad. I got her from the padded bench on my vanity table, cut off the lamp on my nightshed, and got into my double canopy bed. It's nothing, really. Let's just get some rest. Brina got in the bed and instantly fell asleep, since she was tipsier than I was. Girlfriend put a hurtin' on that punch. For me, sleep would not come easy, and an hour later, I was sitting in the window seat and looking up at the moon and stars. I began to imagine Jason looking at the same moon and stars from his bedroom window, but for all I knew, he was out necking with Chandler. The mere thought of him touching her was devastating. It was hard to imagine falling from my arch enemy. That's exactly what happened, though, and I made a promise to myself that somehow, some way, I would win his heart and make him mine. The sun was coming up when I snuck back in the bed with Brina, pretending to have been there the entire time. The very next day, I forgot all that nonsense about winning Jason's heart. I think it had something to do with the way he was sucking his teeth and smirking at me when I came out of the house and started down the street to the corner market a few blocks away. I ignored him and kept walking. I winced when I heard him approaching fast behind me on his skateboard. Yet another item my father had helped him make. Zoe, wait up, girl. I rolled my eyes for my benefit alone since my back was still facing him. I'm in a hurry, Jason. I could hear him speeding up even faster then. I said, hold up, girl. I swung around and glared at him. Damn, he was fine. What you want, nigga? He caught up to me and used his heel to kick his skateboard up into his hand, placing it underneath his arm. The sunlight hitting up against his eyes was nothing short of mesmerizing. I wanted him, and at the same time, I couldn't stand his ass. I was mad confuzzled. Can I ask you a question? You just did, dummy. I hissed at him and folded my arms, repeating the eye roll so we could see it this time. He sighed in frustration. I damn. Can I ask you another question then? You just did, dummy. 
I reiterated, giggling at the ingenuity of my comment. He glared at me he like he wanted to slap me. You're a trip, girl. I looked down at the red and yellow swatch watch I was sporting because it matched the red stirrup pants and yellow baby doll shirt I had on perfectly. Are you going to ask this question sometime today? Because I have things to do. Where are you headed? Over to Brina's? Brina's? Brina lives like 50 million blocks away. I'm not walking all the way over there. Nigga, please. So where are you headed? For the first time, I noticed how deep Jason's voice had gotten. Boy, was I getting overheated. To the store to get something I need. Jason laughed like I had just told an Eddie Murphy joke. What's so damn funny? Nothing, he chuckled. I was just wondering if this thing you need from the store has to do with last night and what happened at the party. Say what? I wondered what the hell he was talking about, so I asked him, What the hell are you talking about? He glanced down at the sidewalk, breaking eye contact. I couldn't help but notice while we were playing Twister. Notice what? I was getting pissed off because I realized my worst fears were coming true. He looked back up at me and blurted it out. Didn't you have on one of those sanitation napkins last night? That did it. I slapped his ass right across his stank face and started walking again. First of all, none of your damn business. And secondly, it's a sanitary napkin, not sanitation napkin, dummy. Why you hit me? I could hear the tremor in his voice, but his ass deserved it. Why you always hitting some damn body, Zoe? I turned around and flipped him the finger. Why are you worried about what I have between my legs? I immediately regretted that statement the moment it left my lips. It sounded so, so, so sexual. He grinned. Now that you mention it, I do have another question for you. Ah, oh, hell, what now? He hopped back on the skateboard to catch up to me. Can I ask it? You just did, dummy. He grabbed a hold of my right elbow, and I got weak in the knees. Look at me, Zoe. I looked. Damn, 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 he was fine. Yes? You want to go with me? Go with you where? Aw, oh, damn. He was actually asking me to be his girl, his woman, his hoochie. You know what I mean, Zoe. His frustration with my antics was obvious. So do you or don't you? You have a woman already, and I have a man. He started looking down at the sidewalk again, muttering something I couldn't quite make out. Besides, you talking about us kissing and all that stuff? He gave me a quick peck on the lips but never made eye contact. I was likely to faint. Yeah, kissing and going places together and you know. He raised his eyebrows at me and I knew he meant the wild thing. Ew, hell no. Hell no, I don't want to go with you. I stormed off, mad. Not because he asked me. And not because I didn't want to. I was mad because it seemed apparent he and Chandler had been going at it. The mere thought of it made my stomach turn. I heard him yell behind me. Whatever, Zoe. I was just kidding with your skeezer ass anyway. I turned around and laughed in his face. It's skeezer, dummy. Learn how to talk, why don't you? I picked up my pace and rubbed the edge of my training bra through my shirt to make sure that the $3 my mother had given me to buy some more of those elephantine sanitary napkins hadn't fallen out. So, for those of y'all who are unaware, white people, young people, young white people, um, old people who didn't listen to hip-hop in the 80s, skeezer is a term uh, that was utilized Mid 80s, like 85 to 89 ish. Um, for me, 
it was popularized by a group called UTFO who used the word skeezer copiously in their songs. I almost played a clip of it, but then I realized, you know, it's not anything worth writing home about. It's just them saying the word skeezer like that. Um, but they said it and I'm trying to think of other people who said it, but yeah, mid eighties term, it fell out of favor pretty quickly. Um, Hoochie, however, Hoochie, uh, was more into the nineties. Like that was more of a nineties term than the eighties because, um, Probably late, late 80s, early 90s, it was popularized. And then it exploded uh, when Boys in the Hood came out. Um, Because they used the word hoochie throughout that movie. And it was a gritty look at urban life in a black community. It was a dope movie. But, you know, a lot of hate about black women in that movie. Like, I still want them to really just walk through that and figure that out. Because every black woman in that movie was a villain. Except for Brandy. Um, but, and Cuba Gooden Jr. was like 24 with a 72-year-old face. It was weird. It was weird. Um, but Hoochie took off after that. And then songs such as Luke's Hoochie Mama came out when Friday came out in like 1995. And that's when Hoochie really hit the lexicon. But the way Luke said it. I didn't think it was something to be inspired to, to be a, like a goal. Like he wanted me to be his woman, his lady, his hoochie. I, I didn't know that. Also, you a motherfucking goofy. If you think I ain't about to play some Luke up in this motherfucker right now. I mean, but even at the point when it was out in Boys in the Hood in 91, Hoochie Mama was never a prized possession. It was never a term that was looked at favorably. Like, um, when it was said in the movie, if I recall correctly, I believe that was Regina Hall in that role. She got very upset. Like, who you calling a Hoochie? So, yeah, how it was said in this book was not the way it was conveyed anywhere I knew. But... Um, for those of y'all who are wondering where the gunplay is and whatnot, there is none. There's no gunplay in this book. There's a lot of sex. Sex is going to be all over the place in this book. But it's a hood classic, like certified. Like there's no question. Zane runs the streets. Like romance lit, she's got it on lock. Everybody who wrote a book after her was copying her style. I'll say that right now. And it's going to be really fun to read this. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify, it takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser, copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts, and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. 
Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler you later. Peace. outro to ratchet book club is by that kid garan and it's called goodbyes you can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this feat this is single simulcast